Welcome one and all to VLGA Connect and the Governance Update for Friday the 13th of August. We've had another spooky convergence of calendar and issues. Stephen Cooper, hello. Oh, hello, Chris, and black cats and ladders to you too. Quite some time since we've had one of these on a Friday the 13th, but there you go. Thank you for uh, giving us some time for an extra episode this week. It was great to chat with you on our 200th milestone episode, which you know, it's a shock to me people are watching and listening to. <laughs> I, can't, I can't quite believe that we're still going, given how we started, Chris. But um, it was lovely. It was lovely to be invited because I wasn't I don't expect to go to those milestone events. It was, yeah. So and I did post on, on uh, social media. Nice to raise the bat. Yes, I do like your uh, very, well, actually, it's more than occasional cricketing reference. And I think you've been watching some some cricket stories just of late. What's this, this, what's this issue of social media and strife uh, in relation to Bangladesh? Who knew that you could find a governance story on the sports page, the back page of The Age? And uh, I've got to say, I was taking so little interest, Chris, that I didn't realise that our national, I think it was the T20 team, lost to Bangladesh for the first time ever. And apparently the social media manager at Cricket Australia um, posted video of the Bangladeshi team singing the song in their rooms. The upshot, the bit that got in the paper was that the national coach, Justin Langer, and the national team manager, uh, Mr Dobie, whose name eludes me, uh, quite publicly took the social media manager to task uh, for doing that. And I thought, oh, here's a couple of governance issues. Yeah, yeah. So what was the issue that, uh, that they didn't want to see the other team celebrating having beaten them so soundly? Well, it could be that. And I, I would imagine, and I wouldn't want to put words in their mouths, that, because it was about should that video be on the Cricket Australia um, uh, social media? You know, should we be, should we, Cricket Australia, be supporting someone else's brand, I suppose? Mm. You know, my sense of it, Chris, though, is that um, I'm not sure whether the issue matters or not, because the, re- the reality is that the national coach has a job of coaching the team and the team manager has a job of managing the team. And I don't think either of those position descriptions actually include managing social media. And there's the issue. I think that that's a fair point. And there are some uh, parallels here with, uh, with local government, with uh, appropriate uh, policy use responsibilities thinking before you post, all those sorts of things uh, sort of come to mind when you think about this, this oh, problem. Yeah, quite a few, Chris. And the um, the team manager was quoted in the paper as saying that it's um, having a, a, a frank conversation is a, you know, a hallmark of a, of a good culture in an organisation. But um, I'm not sure a frank conversation between people who where there might be, for example, a power imbalance or where maybe the issue is none of someone's business is necessarily a sign of a good culture, um, and especially not in front of multiple witnesses. Um, so again, there's links for other organisations. And I suppose you'll have a view on this, um, that often there's tension in councils in terms of what's the role of the council's uh, media team in terms of raising the profile of individual councillors. Yes, and look, that's come up many times uh, when I've been present over the years, and there used to be this view that uh, you know some councillors had that the administration was there to make them look good, nothing more, nothing less, and to to get them re-elected next time around. And of course, 
it's not actually that simple. No, it's not to get them elected. I think there's, I mean, and there is a bit of grey space around clearly that if if the communications team at a council can make the organisation look good, then by extension, that may well assist certain, you know, councillors in their quest to be re-elected, but it shouldn't be the primary task. And uh, usually there'd be some pretty good um, guidelines, so good opportunity for people to go and look at their media policy. All marks to you, Stephen Cooper, for finding a local government governance angle in a cricket story, which to me just says you've done no homework for this this week. You've just been reading the sports <laughs> Can you, uh, next time you're talking to Catherine, maybe on Newsroom, if she's looking for me, uh, tell her I'm reading the sports pages by way of research. <laughs> Right. Uh, now, let's go back to last week. We talked about this situation that has arisen where the inspectorate has gone to VCAT to ask that a councillor be stood aside because they are currently undergoing, uh, undergoing a, a, a criminal matter through the courts. Um, we mused about whether this was new in the Act or a first. Uh, certainly, I think a first use of the, of the clause in LGA 2020, but there was a corresponding section in the 89 Act, you tell me. I think what happened last week, Chris, was that you and I showed our human frailty and um, <laughs> a couple of things happened that we both managed to overlook Section 229 um, in the 2020 Act. And as you've described, um, this is the first time that that's been used and I'll go through that in a minute. Um, but I was also reminded during the week that, in fact, it mirrors very closely what was in Section 29.4 of the Local Government Act 1989. And, in fact, in regard to a former Shepparton um, councillor of some renown, that that, um, uh, that provision was actually applied to, uh, to enable the suspension of that councillor who was facing charges. What it does remind me, Steve, is often you don't know about these provisions if you have no cause to go looking for them. That's that's my excuse. Um, and I don't profess to understand all of what's in uh, in the legislation. They're pretty meaty pieces of work. But we, what is really good to note, Steve, is that we've had quite a bit of feedback from that episode. There are some helpful people out there who've, uh, who've uh, steered us in the right direction. Yeah, and, and thank you to our sources for um, for doing their bit. And without any, um, none of our sources wanted any recognition. They were just quite happy to provide some information. So, so good on them. I think a few really important points for me out of this, Chris. Um, it's in the Act. So there is a multi-step process in place where a councillor is charged, um, but not yet before the courts in regard to a matter in this case where um, the penalty is two years jail or more. Mm -hmm. The first step is that the um, inspector needs to make a decision and presumably any time a councillor is subject to such a charge, the inspector would look at that quite closely. Um, but it's not the inspector's decision alone. So the inspector needs to put a matter, you know, the material before VCAT and VCAT would need to make that decision. So... Um, and it probably goes to public confidence, um, which are decisions for others, thank goodness. So um, in, in summary, we've been able to confirm that the, the age article was correct. The inspectorate has made an application to VCAT to stand down this councillor in respect of the charges that are yet to be determined. I understand um, the matter's been deferred to allow time for the councillor and the councillor's lawyer to make some submissions in relation to matters of 
of law. So this is uh, still yet to play out over the next few weeks. Chris, we might get to talk about it again. Um, <laughs> can I just actually, in talking about it again, and I don't want to mention any specific cases, but if, if people are thinking about other matters and should other matters be caught up in this, uh, one of the first questions would be, have charges been laid? Yes. And that might explain other matters. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. We will watch that with interest and uh, we will come back to it, I'm sure. I think it was the 23rd of August that uh, the matter was deferred to. So uh, we've probably only got to wait another couple of weeks uh, to find out more about that. Steve, what else has been exercising your mind this week? I've just come off a fabulous webinar, Chris, and it reminded me, given that we spent um, a fair chunk of the 200th episode of VLGA Connect talking about past episodes, I'm reminded that you interviewed um, Kate Simons, the Essential Services Commissioner, recently. Yes. And um, I've come off a webinar um, regarding the launch of a policy called Getting to Fair, um, breaking down the barriers to essential services and particularly targeted at vulnerable people in the community who are not necessarily the sort of vulnerable people that we might include in our diversity and inclusion, that vulnerability goes far broader. And um, part of the remit of the commission, which Kate probably explained, was thinking about how COVID, insecure employment, insecure housing, a whole lot of those sort of social factors can uh, to lead to vulnerability and the importance of a bit of empathy and understanding from agencies in how we deal with, with those members of the community. Yes. Um, so I've just come off a terrific webinar that ESC ran about that. Now, I'm not sure if that's available um, in a recorded form, but there were three tranches to the work that they're doing. Um, one is to better support and understand uh, vulnerable members of the community to exercise their rights and receive services. The second part is to be more responsive and inclusive in the transaction. And the third part being to have an organisation more broadly that is more responsive um, and inclusive um, to the vulnerable community. So just a terrific piece of work. And I guess a reminder about sometimes I've taken away a couple of things in terms of, um, I guess, the way I've thought about some issues and probably having to have a bit of a rethink, Chris. That's really interesting, Stephen. And yes, you, you've reminded me that one of the interesting things about talking to Kate was hopefully uh, helping people understand that the ESC is about so much more than just managing the rate cap framework. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this is a terrific piece of work. Now, I do note uh, we, we miss Hannah Duncan-Jones dreadfully. She's off on a secondment to another organisation. But I do note there's a new Director of Policy and Strategy at Local Government Victoria, Steve. There is indeed. Lucy Dalton's been appointed to, uh, to that role pro tem. So it was good to meet Lucy at a meeting of the um, Project Control Board of the Local Government Act this week. And we wish Lucy well. We do indeed. And yep. hopefully we might get to meet Lucy in a forum such as this, perhaps before too long. Just, you know, question without notice there. And Steve, uh, good to see uh, that Tony Doyle, who recently left Knox City Council as CEO, has uh, turned up at Southern Grampians, or will very soon, in the interim CEO role uh, with Michael Tudball about to depart there. That's true. And I think I saw this week that Michael attended the last of uh, something like 60 council meetings in his five and a half years. Good luck to him, as which we've already said anyway, and um, well done to Southern Grampians on getting an experienced hand in the acting CEO role. 
Absolutely. Very uh, safe, capable pair of hands to guide them through this next period while I think they've appointed MacArthur to conduct the recruitment for the permanent CEO. All the best to Michael. I've known Michael for a long time, uh, was at Melton while uh, I was at Hobson's Bay. Um, will be a great addition to the state government ranks. He's going to the Department of Transport, Southwest uh, Victoria, in a role uh, down there. So uh, all the very best to him. And of course, this presents another little uh, issue, Stephen, because Michael was on the board of LG Pro. Ooh. So I think you'll find that there'll be uh, a need to replace uh, Michael because I'm aware that there's two uh, LG Pro board members moving off into roles outside the sector. So watch this space. I'm just presuming that the rather excellent Jill Brown CEO of LG Pro will be um, thumbing through the constitution to see what needs to be done to fill those vacancies. I have it on, on good authority. She's right across it, Steve. <laughs> Absolutely. So we'll wait to see the outcome of all of that. I think that's probably all we've got for this week. Uh, it's been a big one. And uh, thank you, Steve, for your insights as always. Who knows what we'll be able to talk about next week. Can't guarantee it'll have anything to do with cricket, though. No, and maybe only once next week, Chris. See you then. <laughs> Steve Cooper, Chief of Staff of the VLGA. That's the governance update for this week. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again soon on VLGA Connect. Mm -hmm.